Well, the U.S. non-farm payrolls data on Friday saw jobs coming back, but the rest of them might take longer. It's going to be harder from here, according to the Fed's Jerome Powell, and more stimulus might be needed. It's going to be harder for Victoria, too, with Melbourne in lockdown till the end of the month at least. But a quietish day today for the U.S. and Canada. They're on holiday, so no chance for recovery in equities just yet. But will they recover? There's plenty of room for them to fall further. It's Monday, the 7th of September, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, Friday was another bad one on U.S. equity markets, another 1.3% off the Nasdaq, down 6.2% over two days. And that's after a recovery late in the session on Friday. But you know what? It only takes it back to where it was on the 21st of August. It's still 26% up on the year. So this uh, drop is just a tiny blip down so far. Uh, the Dow and the S&P 500 were also down on Friday, but not quite as much. A 1.3% fall in the Eurostox 50, 0.8% down for the FTSE 100, 1.7% down for the DAX. The ASX 200 was uh, over 3% down on Friday, pretty much all of it at the beginning of the session. And the US dollar, uh, a little volatile on Friday, but it ended the session close to where it started. In fact, no big currency moves to speak of anywhere, really, on Friday. But 10-year Treasury yields up almost 10 basis points, more on 30 years. We'll come to that in a second. A 3.9% fall in WTI crude on Friday, 7.5% down over the week. So what will equities do today? Well, not much, really, because they're on holiday in America. Uh, so later in the week, perhaps. Rodrigo Catrill is Senior FX Strategist at NAB in Sydney. So uh, there's a big piece in the FT this morning, Rodrigo, about SoftBank punting about $4 billion to uh, putting calls on various tech stocks over the last few months and whether this has pushed the price up. Uh, I mean, obviously, making calls on Tesla shares was part of this because Tesla was down 16% last week. So, I mean, there's a lot of volatility all of a sudden, isn't there? Morning, Phil. Yes. Um, uh, I suppose just in terms of the FT article, yes, it just highlights that um, not only SoftBank, but also um a lot of retail investors have piled on this idea of, you know, buying calls yeah. on, 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 on tech stocks in particular. Um, and that's kind of fueled the rally because, um, those people selling the calls, they actually need to buy the stock in order to hedge the position. So it sort of creates this snowball effect uh, in terms of fueling what we've seen. There's been a very, very strong rally in the equity market. Uh, but it also highlights the fact that when things turn south, you know, there's a lot of people looking for the exit door and, and creates that volatility, um, which we have. We, we got a bit of a taste of that over the past couple of days. Um, and um, it's certainly a theme to, to keep an eye on um, in the sense that if people kind of want to change their positions, uh, uh, it could trigger a big, big sell off. But uh, as you say, um, there's still yeah. kind of this perception uh, that, you know, the, the equity market is is still very much supported by what is suspected to be, you know, a strong ultra ultra easy monetary policy for a very very long yeah. time. And and if anything, Fed Chair Powell reiterated that message um, later on Friday. Absolutely, he said he refuses to talk about the stock market. <laughs> he was interviewed on NPR, but he reiterated he reiterated as you're saying it's going to take a very long time for the economy to get back where it was. And uh, the interviewer said, "What years?" And he didn't really dispute that, did he? Uh, exactly. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, he said basically, it's it, it, it's going to take the jobs. It's going to be harder to recover the jobs from here on because we're basically uh, the lower paid service sector jobs are, are going to be harder to get back, and that's that's going to be a lag on the economy. Yeah, I think that is actually the other important message. So there was two messages from him, you know, and or key takeaways. The one 
um, you know, interest rate here are, are going to stay low or the accommodative, accommodative policies are here to stay for a very long time. And he's referring to years. Um, whilst at the same time, he also welcomed the, the solid uh, labor market report that we got on Friday, but reiterated the message that once you have sort of that initial pickup and improvement, which you also see not only in terms of the labor market, but also in terms of those activity readings, you know, is a slowdown in terms of the recovery should be expected and further gains from here will be harder to come by. So again, reiterating the need, uh, why you need to be uh, supporting the, the economy for a very long time. Now, I don't want to be a glasses half full uh, person, but I mean that, you know, I mean, the good news on those, the, the non-farm perils on Friday was the unemployment rates down to 8.4%, uh, almost 1.4 million new jobs. But the gains have been temporarily laid off workers getting back to work permanent job losses actually rose by half a million to 3.4 million they're jobs that are not coming back and i'm wondering whether that's more significant news and we're still of course 11 and a half million down on pre-pandemic levels so still a long way to go yes absolutely so the the, the headline numbers were were interesting and, and good you know the the payrolls number met expectations and as you say unemployment rate declined by more than expected but once you start looking at the details, um, you know, the government hiring played a huge role around 350 or just under 350 uh, jobs created by the government, which again were, were a reflection of, uh, of a delayed, if you like, stats from, from the census that was run. So uh, that tells you those jobs are, are not going to be there next month. Um, and then when you look at the private payrolls numbers, they disappointed. They were expected to print around 1.3 million and they printed just, just above 1 million. So that's another 300 job as well that disappointed. So when you put it all into perspective, mm. there's 600,000 jobs that, you know, they're not actually that good and they're not going to be there ne- next month. So that is certainly a disappointment. And then the other thing is that mm. the, the household survey, or basically, there's two surveys, one which is about the job creation, so that's the payrolls number, and the, the other one that estimates the unemployment rate is based on the household survey. And that survey t- can be very volatile, and it was due for a bit of a payback, and it seems that it's kind of overshot its payback in a sense. So again, it just paints a picture of a little bit of cautiousness on what to expect over the coming months as well. So quite a reaction to those numbers on the bond markets, weren't there? 30 years, uh, the yield there traded from uh, 1.35% up to 1.48%, a 13 basis point rise. So we're seeing uh, bond yields up and also a steepening in the curve. Yes. So that, that's basically the big thing. We've seen a, a very aggressive best steepening of the curve uh, with the longer dated yields you know, leading that rise which was a reflection of, I suppose, a combination of things. One, the, 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 the solid data that we got from the labor market. And then, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the, the equity market started recovering later in the session. Um, and that, again, fueled that sort of steepening of the curve. And then lastly, the other thing to, to bear in mind as well is that maybe the market was sort of, you know, towards the close, positioning itself for what is expected to be a huge week of issuance. Uh, so this week, we, we not only have... The government again making those big issues along along the curve in the U.S. Treasury curve, uh, but we also have a lot of high-grade corporate lining up to to also increase the issues during the week. So it seems that the market was sort of uh, kind of preparing itself for for what is what is to come this week as well. And not much move uh, m- movement on uh, currencies on Friday, although there was a the biggest move was half a percent up on the Canadian dollar. They had uh, jobs data as well on on Friday. Which is pretty good too, but I guess you know it's the same story, isn't it? It's it's getting better, but it's still got a long way to go. Yes, and again, the message there is the same one as it is for the U.S. is that 
all all sort of the the low hanging fruit now appear to have been captured. Um, uh, saying that the, the improvements in the Canadian uh, labor market has yeah. been very impressive. There's been a lot of jobs being created, um, but the expectation is that from here things are going to get tougher. Um, and there's still kind of a long way to, to get back to where we were prior to, to the crisis. Uh, but I suppose the general thing for me in currencies is that when you look at sort of the, the change for the day, not a lot happened. Uh, but when you look at the intraday charts, uh, the volatility in, in currencies has been pretty significant. I mean, the, the Aussie and the Kiwi were down almost 1% uh, when, you know, the equity market was going down. And, and then we had this sort of the massive U-turn. Um, with the improvements uh, that follow after uh, the labor market and Powell's speech, or, or rather Powell's interview. So we end up unchanged, but, but the Aussie did make a low of uh, around 72.22, um, and now trades at 72.85. So it did recover significantly. Mm. We also saw the Kiwi recover significantly. So to me, this is a reminder that at least the Aussie and the Kiwi remain very much risk-sensitive currencies, we still have uncertainty about how the equity market is going to perform this week. Um, and then maybe that leads us on to the news over the weekend. We, we had yeah. the Wall Street Journal reporting that the Trump administration is looking to put some restrictions on semiconductor exports from China. So, um, you know, there's plenty of things to worry about. There is, absolutely. 300 Chinese companies now on that list of companies that uh, uh, the U.S. companies are not supposed to, to, to trade with. Interesting as well on that whole tech war thing, I see uh, TomTom is now offering navigation for Huawei devices. So uh, they don't need Google and Apple Maps. The uh, the big gap in the Huawei app gallery was the fact they didn't have navigation and now they've got it with TomTom. So maybe they'll get along without Google. So I'm not sure. Is that a win for, for America? I wonder. Uh, let's look at the significant news for Australia. Me- Melbourne to stay uh, st- stay in stage four lockdown until at least September the 28th, provided the average uh, caseload, the case rate in Melbourne, is less than 50 per day over a fortnight. Yesterday it was 63. So actually it could go on beyond the end of September if the numbers don't go down. That's right. So, I mean, sadly, the news for, for Victoria is that you have another two more weeks at least, uh, and then it's very much dependent on, on how those... Mm those rates of infection continue to decline. I suppose encouragingly, we have seen a significant decline and uh, that has been a factor or the result of all these restrictions that have been imposed. So it seems reasonable to expect that we can get there, that the 3050 uh, target is, is, is a, you know, reachable target. Um, uh, but yeah, but it's created a lot of debates. You know, a lot of businesses are complaining. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, Premier Dana Andrews has kind of defended his position saying that if you reopen too quickly you're just going to basically instigate a, a third wave of infection which is not what, what they want as well and, yeah and who knows because you can twist these numbers any way you like so you could look and say for example there is a, the, the number of infections yesterday was one for every 100,000 people in Victoria whereas in the UK for example where they're easing lockdowns uh, it's it's one for every 37,000 so three times the infection rate but uh, without you know the same uh, draconian measures but <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. I mean, yes, yeah, so I think I think that ultimately we want to get to to a position like what we're seeing in New South Wales, where mm. you're not trying to eradicate the virus. What you're trying to do is to get to a position where you can control yeah. the rate of infection. So if you see these hotspots, that you can act on them and, and do localized uh, restrictions, yeah. uh, but keep the economy open while you're doing right. that. Right. Okay. Very quickly, uh, another week. Uh, of course, the, today it's going to be pretty quiet in the US and Canada because because uh, they're on uh, on public holidays 
We are starting another week, another week closer to a no-deal Brexit, so the pound might feel some hurt, do you reckon? Yes, it's already seen now uh, at the, uh, the open, we've seen the pound gap around 50 basis, 50 pips lower. Um, we had news over the weekend kind of reiterating what we mm. suspected. The UK has maintained a very st- strong position in terms of the negotiation, and, and Europe is not budging either. So at this moment, it looks like both of them are prepared to walk away from a deal. Um uh, but we got to remember that the negotiations can go on until sort of late October, which is when we expect that summit to take place and where we expect the votes on, on, on the Brexit trade deal negotiations. So uh, technically, you know, they still got another another few weeks to, to dance around before making a deal. All right. Now, look, today, the AIG services index for Australia, plus the, the job ads for August, plus trade data for China and industrial production numbers for, for Germany. Anything in particular there to look out for? Well, I suppose the, the China's trade data will be the one to look out for. There will be a lot of focus on whether China has or did, in fact, buy a lot more stuff from the US uh, um, in August. So that will be interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose it will also reflect in sort of the, a bit of a health check in terms of how the, the Chinese economy is traveling. Uh, so that will be important. Um, and then... And the headlines, headlines around, you know, whether the Trump administration is really going to do something about this, um, you know, semiconductors or not, that would be important as yeah, well. Yeah, All right. And a bigger day tomorrow, of course, because we get uh, payrolls data for Australia tomorrow and the NAB business survey. But I'll cover that off with uh, with Tapas in the morning. That means you can go now. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Talk soon. Cheers. Not that he's got far to go, has he really? When we're all working from home, what's he going to do? Go to the kitchen and make himself a coffee. Uh, I'm Phil Dobby. I'm going to get a coffee too. Back tomorrow morning. See you then.